Well, once again, I'm glad you're here, and welcome to all of you that are watching online and all of that. If you have a Bible, you can turn to uh, Psalm chapter 86. I, I debated whether I wanted to start with this or not. I debated whether I even wanted to show this or not. Because it's things like this that make me really angry. I think it's things like this that uh, give the church a bad name. I'm talking about the, the, the church universal. And uh, I thought, you know, we're starting our missions conference uh, this week. And it happened to be uh, this week that I saw some uh, people putting this up in Starbucks. You know, and they have the little board that goes up and you can put the stuff up promoting your, your deal. And I actually had a conversation with um, the, the, the people that were putting this up. Now, they didn't know who I was, <laughs> which is probably a, a good thing after the conversation went down. But, but he, here's what it is. Go ahead and put it on the jumbotron. You got, that, you got that up there somewhere? It says, Kitty Tea Party. There's a, there's a cute little cat that you probably can't see. It's Siamese cat. There's got the thing and the hat and the thing. And it says, uh, if you can't read that, it says uh, tea, sandwiches, desserts, fruit. There, there's a silent auction. They're raising money. There, there, there's a raffle. And it kind of gives you the date. Then it tells you the name of the church. And I had it blurted out up there. I probably shouldn't have. But. And, then, and then it's 10 bucks to get in. And all the proceeds, I mean, they're going all out on this. This is, this is a church family, man. They're going all out. They're raising money to give to the Cat Network, Stanislaus County. I went on to the website of the Cat Network. Big headlines, people helping cats. Man, what has happened to the church? Now look, I own a cat. I got one. I love cats, I do. I, I hated them for a long time. Then my daughter wanted a cat, she got a cat. And that cat, I'm the favorite person in the house. I, I, the, the cat, I think the cat knows. And so the cat's always on me. It's always laying on me. And now I love the cat. Now here's the thing. If I saw someone being mean to a cat on the street, I'd stop them. Because you know what? Um, God created cats. The cats weren't created in God's image, but God created cats, and I'm, I'm a human being made in the image of God, and I have a responsibility to take care of all the things that, that God has created. I wouldn't let anybody be mean to a cat. I don't have a problem with God's people, I don't know, a, a, a volunteering down at the SBCA. Man, man, that's what a great thing to do. I don't have a problem with you as an individual after you've given your gift to the Lord, after you've taken care of your family, help the poor, that you give some of your shekels to, I don't know, help a cat. I don't have any problem with that. But to think that a church would go to all this energy and they're raising money to help cats. Now, I don't know anything about this church.
But somewhere along the way, something got skewed in that church's, you know, at the top levels of that church's leadership. They would all get together and have a strategic meeting and print up flyers and let's raise money to help cats. Jesus Christ didn't die on a cross for cats. I'm grateful for organizations that take care of them. But the church ought to be investing its time, its energy, its resources into tools like this. We're trying to build a building, not to rescue cats, but to disciple kids in the gospel, to reach kids. That's all this thing is, is a tool. That's all it is. Psalms chapter 86, how'd you turn there? Look at verse eight. If you don't have a Bible, it'll come up on the jumbotrons. Um, I think all the verses, or most of them, I had a lot of them this week, so I don't think they all made it into your notes, but most of them did. King David said, no pagan God is like you, O Lord. None can do what you do. All the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name. For you are great and, and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. With all my heart I praise you, O Lord my God. I will give glory to your name forever. And as I read those words this past week, I thought, wow. Th those are really, really beautiful words, aren't they? I mean, when, when you read these words, you can't miss the fact that King David loved the Lord. Just loved the Lord. He, he wanted to live according to the truth of the word of God. You see that? He wanted to live a, a pure and holy life, a, a life that honored the Lord. He wanted to praise the Lord with everything that came out of his mouth. And as I thought about uh, these words this past week, I kept thinking to myself that David had a, a great desire to live in such a way that somehow his one life made him famous. He wanted to live in a way that made God famous. He wanted the things that came out of his mouth to make him famous. The great apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, so whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, you're out playing golf, you're playing tennis, you're knitting, you're in your book club, you're walking your dog, you're on a motorcycle ride, you're out fishing, you're playing football, you're playing baseball, you're studying in your classrooms, you're teaching, you're, you're doing surgery on somebody, you're trying a case down at the courthouse, you're driving a truck down the 99. You're selling clothes out at Macy's. 
You're ringing up somebody's groceries down here at Rayleigh's. You're rolling up a burrito down at Taco Bell. Whatever it is you do, do it all for his glory. In other words, make him famous with your life. Make him famous. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter five. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In other words, Jesus is telling the um, you know, the, the, the group that he was talking to here 2,000 years ago and us, live your life in such a way that, that you make him famous. When you speak, when, when the words come out of your mouth, may those words make him famous. Live your life in such a way that people see your good works and those good works will honor the Father. Now, our good works don't save us. I want to make sure you get this. No one's saved because they do good things. You're saved simply because you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But your good works matter. How you live matters. How you speak matters. We're to live and speak in ways that make the, the, the Lord famous. Now, now, here's what I wanna do. I have uh, two you know, critical thoughts that I'm just gonna run by everybody, two critical questions. And here's the deal. Um, when you come and listen to a sermon you know, here at Big Valley Grace, or maybe you're visiting from another church, and, and you know, you're gonna sit in your home church next week and listen to your pastor teach or whatever, here, here's the thought. There's a lot of things I'm gonna talk about. I, I throw a lot of stuff up on the wall. And for some of you, it's like drinking water from a fire hydrant, right? Just, whoa, whoa. One of the things you need to do is just, just lock on to one thing I might say. You see, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And I might say something and you go, whoa, write it down. And th that'll be the thing that you just need to go, whoa, I, I need to wrestle around with that this next week. It, it could be a lyric in, in one of the songs. As you're listening to the message, once you grab the one thing, you know what, check out. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is you coming and not getting anything because that means you just, you know, I don't, I, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're gonna get something out of this. But sometimes you can be so busy taking notes that you just, you miss the whole thing. It's one of the reasons why we give you notes so you can kind of track along 
And there might be one verse, one thing I say, and you know what? It doesn't mean a thing to the person sitting on your left or right. It may mean nothing to your spouse, but it means something to you. Because the Holy Spirit in you is speaking to you about that one thing at that moment. And then what you do is circle it and then go have dinner tonight or tomorrow morning, just sit down and go, you know what? Here was the one thing I got out of this message this week. This really hit me. And your spouse may go, man, that didn't do anything for me. But here, here's the one thing that I heard God saying to me through the message. Share it with your kids. Kids, share it with your parents. You don't have to go through the whole message, but just find the one, the one thing. Now, I'm gonna cover two critical questions. And I believe somewhere in here, God's gonna speak to you. And that, the, the, the first question is this. Why make Jesus famous? Why make him famous? Why should we bring glory to God? Why should we honor the Lord with our lives? Why should we make Jesus famous by, by the way we live or by, by the way we you know, use you know, the six ounce beast or, or tongues? Why, what's the point of it all? Well, there's lots of reasons, but I'm gonna zero in on one specific reason, okay? The great prophet Isaiah said this, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away. Because of your sin, he's not gonna listen to you anymore. That's pretty weighty. Sin comes with a consequence. And God, through the great prophet, is telling us something about the weightiness of sin there. God said this to the prophet Ezekiel. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so that they can live. Turn, turn, turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? Hear the emotion there from God? Turn, turn. Turn, God says, I don't take any pleasure in the consequence of what sin brings to a life. I want you to turn. I don't want you to die. Hosea chapter 14 says, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. And all of us in this room could think of a moment or six when we would go, wow, I remember when my sin brought me down. For some, it brought you down so low, you lost your marriage, you lost your business, you lost your freedom, you went to jail or prison. One thing about sin is it's never satisfied. It's got an appetite that's unbelievable. And it'll bring you down. If you think you're down now, you can go lower. Sin is just this unbelievable thing that has had a, 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 an unbelievable consequence on all of us. Listen to what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 25. He says, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory, that there's coming a moment when Jesus is gonna come back. We don't know what it is. Obviously, we've been waiting around for 2,000 years for this moment, okay? 
Every generation thinks it's gonna happen in their generation, right? The older you get, you're just, you just know it's gonna happen in your generation. We don't know when it's gonna happen. We just know it's gonna happen some moment. All the angels will be with him. Then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. That's the people. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Okay? He will place the sheep on his right, and he'll put the goats on his left. Verse 34 says, then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Then the king will turn to those on the left, the goats, and he will say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. And then in verse 46, Jesus says, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, the sheep, will go into eternal life. Jesus himself just gave us some really, really, really weighty words here. He tells us about a future moment when everybody will be gathered. And back when this was written, a shepherd would have had all of his sheep and all of the goats and they all would have been together making noise and every good shepherd at some moment would then separate the sheep and, and separate the goats from one another. And so the people understood this in a way we, we don't understand it here in the 21st century. And there were people, the sheep on the right, who were believers in Christ, and they were gonna spend their eternity with the Lord, and then you had the goats, the unbelievers on the left, and they were gonna spend their eternity in a place that Jesus said was designed for the devil and the demons. I didn't write that. Those are the very words of Jesus. Revelation chapter 20 says this, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before the throne. Kings and queens and powerful people were standing there, along with just poor people. Everybody's standing there. There's coming a moment when it doesn't matter what your title was or how much you had in your 401k or 403b. And the books were open, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and, and death, and, and, and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. It would take me way too long to try to explain uh, all that Jesus is saying here. But the overarching principle is this. Here's, here's the point in, in all of this, is that there's bad news on the horizon. I don't care how great your life is right now, there's bad news on the horizon. Judgment is coming. 
There's a price to pay for sin. God loves us, you know, uh, human beings. He made us in his image and he, he cares for us deeply, but, but he's a just God, which means he has to punish sin. So back to the, the, the first question, why make Jesus famous? You make Jesus famous because he alone provides the only way to escape this coming judgment. Listen to a, what John said in John chapter one, and we're just gonna take a little tour, if you will, through the New Testament. John wrote, he, that's Jesus, came into the very world that he created. You read about that in Genesis chapters one and two. You get to see the world that he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people. But even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave those people the right to become children of God. They, they, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And what he's saying there is this, is you're, you're, you have to be reborn. We've all been born once, and most of us were born um, uh, because of, uh, you know, our moms and dads thought, hey, let's have children. There was a, a plan involved. Some, like me, were unexpected. But what John's saying here is this. You don't get into the kingdom. You, you don't become one of those sheep because of something your mother and your father did. Just because they had sex and you were born, that's not how you get in. You have to be reborn. And this rebirth doesn't happen from, you know, your mom and dad having some sort of sexual relationship. It's by believing in Jesus Christ. The moment that you put your faith in Jesus, at the moment you give your life to him, at that moment you're born again, you're reborn and it has nothing to do with your two earthly parents. It has everything to do with you surrendering your life to the very one who created you. Jesus himself said this in John chapter 14. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Remember the sheep are over here? And they're gonna spend their e eternity with the Lord. That, He's preparing a place, and there's coming a moment when we're gonna go there, we're gonna be there if we know the Lord. And then thank the Lord for this one disciple named Thomas. He's gotten a bad rap. He's been known as Doubting Thomas all these years. And it's kinda sad, because he asks a really great question here. And if he doesn't ask this question, we don't get one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. So we all need to be thankful that Thomas asked this question. He said, no, no, Lord, no, no, no. We don't, we don't know where you're going. You ever been in a classroom and the teacher's talking and you don't understand a bit of it? He goes, you all understand? You all getting this? 
and you don't, you don't get it? Thomas wasn't like that. Y'all get it, guys? They were all gone, and they didn't get it. But Thomas went, no, 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 I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it, Lord. What are you talking about? We have no idea where you're going, so how do we you know, know the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way, Thomas. I'm the truth, Thomas. I'm the life, Thomas. No one can get to the Father but through me. No one. Jesus was very narrow-minded, wasn't he? <laughs> Look, there's only one way to get to the Father. There's lots of ways to get to Jesus. All of us have a unique story in how we came to Jesus, right? Some of you, it was when you were a child and your grandma or your grandpa told you about Jesus and you received Christ as a young kid and basically your whole life you've walked with God. Praise the Lord for that. Some of you, you waited until you were a teenager and you were kind of rebellious and you went off to a camp somewhere and you heard about Jesus and you gave your life to Jesus. For some of you, it was you showed up here in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s and you heard me talking about Jesus and you gave your life to him. For some, you went to a Billy Graham crusade. For some of you, you were in prison. There's lots of ways that we get to Jesus, but there's only one way you get to the Father, and that's through Jesus. That's it. John chapter 20 says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. In other words, <laughs> all the stuff you find in the Bible about Jesus, that wasn't all the stuff. He did a lot of things that weren't recorded in this book. But these were written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That's why John wrote what he wrote in the Gospel of John. Hey, this isn't everything, folks, but what I did was I just picked out the stuff that, that would really help you understand who he is. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. And that when you put your trust in him, you become one of those sheep he was talking about so that you can spend your eternity with him forever, you see? Paul said this in Romans chapter five. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. He went to the cross. He took the penalty that we deserve for our sins. See? Romans chapter six says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. How does that happen? Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter eight says, so now there is no condemnation for those of us who belong to Christ Jesus. When you become a sheep, when you've given your life over to him, there's no condemnation anymore. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now here's the deal. If you know Christ, listen to me, Christian, there's no condemnation None. 
Now, Christians will condemn you. They're, they're really good at that. But there's no condemnation from the Lord if you know him. Now, we as Christians have a responsibility to crawl into each other's laps if we see you doing dumb things, sinful things, and say, hey, knock it off, come on. That's not the way a Christian ought to live. Don't, don't live like that. God's got something better for you than that. Don't do that, come on, knock that off. And you can do that and not be condemning. See, if you know Christ, there's no, con, there's no condemnation. Uh, Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is a trustworthy statement, and everyone should accept it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul adds this, and, and he, didn't, he didn't know me. He said, and I am the worst of them all. So I just hadn't been born yet. <laughs> Either had you. There, there was, here, here's why he came into the world. In about, what is it, 50, what is it, 55 days? 55 days, we're gonna have these things in our houses with lights all over them. We're gonna put these things on the fronts of our doors with wreaths, you know, things on them. My house is gonna smell like one big potpourri ball, man, and they were having candles everywhere, and there's gonna be trees underneath the thing, and... And, and, and I'm going to spend a fortune sending out cards to everybody and, and uh, you know, all this stuff's happening. Because a baby was born in a town called Bethlehem. And the reason why that child came into the world was to save sinners like me. That's why he came. Nothing wrong with having trees, nothing wrong with all that stuff. Just don't forget that. Christian, don't forget the purpose of it all. Don't, don't, don't miss that. Peter, he chimed in with these words, for you uh, know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. See, we all inherited something. You know, I had my mom and dad, they had me, but then they had a mom and dad, and 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 they had a mom and dad. They had a mom and dad, and they had a mom and dad, they had a mom and dad, they had a mom and dad, and you gotta go all the way back to Genesis chapter two. Where the first parents, Adam and Eve, and they sinned in Genesis three, and it's been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. We're all sinful people. It's one of the things we all have in common in here, is we all have a sinful nature. And the ransom he paid, the ransom Jesus paid, was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. And for some of you, God just revealed it to you today, right now. Some of you right now, for the very first time, God is opening your eyes. It's not me, it has nothing to do with me. God is the one who draws people to himself. God is the one who opens the eyes of people. He does it. And right now, for the very first time, some of you, maybe one of you, whoa, 
your eyes have been opened up to the truth. Now, you still have a free will. You can go, ah, I know. I don't, I don't want them now. I don't have anything to do with them. No good. And if I receive them, do I have to give up some of my money? You talked a lot about money today. I, I, I'll just keep my money and take my chances. You can do that. But God loved you so much, you know what he did? He opened your eyes. You get it. I remember when that happened to me. My eyes were opened and I understood sin and I understood Jesus. And God put those two together. And for me, it was, oh man, I need you. I begged him to come into my life. I didn't need to beg him, but I did. That was decades ago. Greatest decision I ever made. First John chapter three says, everyone who sins is breaking God's law for all sin is contrary to the law of God and you know that Jesus came to take away our sin and there is no sin in him. That's why he came, he came to take away our sin, okay? First John chapter five says, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has the life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have the life. Pretty simple. If you have the son, if you've invited the son into your life, you're, you're the sheep. You're, 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 on, you're on the right side. You're on the good side. You're gonna spend your eternity with. If you don't know the Lord, then, then you're one of the goats at this moment. Pretty simple message. Look, judgment will come upon those that do good things. Just want you to know that. Because doing good things isn't the key to escaping the coming judgment. Judgment will come upon those who attend church because going to church isn't the key to escaping the coming judgment. Judgment will come upon those that are religious because being religious isn't the key to escaping the coming judgment. Judgment will come upon those that have grown up in Christian homes because growing up in a Christian home isn't the key to escaping the coming judgment. Some of you are gonna hate me on this next one. Judgment will come upon those that live in America because being an American isn't the key to escaping the coming judgment. Beloved, the key to escaping the coming judgment is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, he alone can forgive your sin, which then frees us from the consequence of our sin. You see, judgment. Which is why we as Christians need to make him famous, right? By how we live and how we speak. Now, now, now here's the thing. This brings us to the, the, the next logical question, and that is this, or question number two. How do you do that? How do I make Jesus famous? Okay, this, this is the nugget of the message, if you will. This, this is kind of how we're launching the REACH, uh, the 2016 REACH conference, or for those of you that are old school, our, our missions conference. Romans chapter 10 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> but 
how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question, Paul. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Yeah, that's a pretty good question there. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? There's, there's, there's a thought. And how will you know, anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. Beloved, here's the deal. Somebody has to open their mouths and make Jesus famous, and that somebody is supposed to be you, me. You're it. You're the ones. Me. God wants you as one of his followers to live in such a way that you make him famous, but he also wants you to open your mouth and speak in ways that make him famous. In other words, you actually have to talk about Jesus and the difference that he's made in your life. John chapter one records a great moment in the life of John the Baptist. It says this, this was John's testimony, okay? This is John the Baptist's testimony. John, the writer of the book of John, was a different John, okay? There were two different guys. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leader sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? And he came right out and said, well, I want you to know I'm not the Messiah. Well then, who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? No. Are you uh, the prophet we're expecting? No. Well then, who are you? We need an answer for those that sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? And John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. And there are four words there that he says that are just really weighty. He says, I am a voice. I'm a voice. And here's the deal, beloved. If you know the Lord as your Savior, you are a voice, or you're supposed to be. We're all to be a voice for the Lord, all of us. You see, one of the things that I did when I became the senior pastor, we used to have this wall of missionaries out there, and they were unbelievable people. You're going to meet some of them here over the next few weeks. And we had all their pictures up, and it said, you know, these are the missionaries. And, and inadvertently, what, I, what our church had done, and I think a lot of churches did, was you'd walk by and you'd go, see, there, there are the missionaries. There they are right there. There are the ones that are out telling everybody about Jesus. There's our missionaries. You're the missionaries. Well, it just so happens we have a missionary that we pay who, you know, lives in Germany, Panapintos. Because of your faithful giving, we, we have, you know, missionaries all over the globe. They're, they're telling others about Jesus. But that doesn't let us off the hook. We all are, are called to be a voice for the Lord. We're all called to reach the, the, the lost that are out there. We're all called to be a, 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 a voice for the Lord, a, 
a voice that's willing to risk it all to somehow make Jesus famous, a, a voice that's willing to be ridiculed and persecuted and thought crazy, just like John the Baptist. Do a little bit of research and you'll find out everybody thought the guy was nuts. In my opinion, I, I think we need more crazy people. People you know, thought Noah was crazy when he built the ark. People thought Abraham was crazy when he climbed a mountain to sacrifice his son. People thought, you know, Joseph was crazy when he shared his dreams. People thought Moses was crazy when he announced God's relocation project. People thought that Joshua was crazy when he announced the battle plan for, for Jericho. People thought Gideon was crazy when his army got reduced to 300. People thought that David was crazy when he walked out to meet Goliath. People thought Elijah was crazy when he faced the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. People thought that Nehemiah was crazy when he had a dream to build something incredible for the kingdom. People thought that the woman who poured out the perfume on Jesus' feet was crazy, and yet he honored her in front of all the people. People thought that apostles were crazy in Acts chapter two when the Holy Spirit showed up. People thought that Paul was crazy for planting churches and taking the gospel to you know, the Gentiles. Lots of people thought these folks were crazy or even insane, but all of them were used by God to do great things because they refused to be normal. It didn't matter to them what people thought. And when you, when you say, you know what, I, I, when you understand what the scriptures say, that you're to be a voice, I guarantee you there's gonna be people out there that think you're crazy. You're nuts, you're wacky, you're intolerant, um, whatever. And you just get to join a long list of people throughout the scriptures who everybody thought were crazy, nuts and weirdos and all of that. The world needs people, leaders, who would be willing to die for something crazy, like, like living in total obedience to the word that your one life would somehow make Jesus like famous, you know, like in, in the office complex or the place that you do life or, you know, on the first tee box of where you play golf. I suppose the... The easy thing is, is we can raise money for cats. <laughs> oh, uh, er, er, who, who's not gonna, everyone loves you if you're raising money for cats, man. We just put a lot of juice into raising money for cats. Look at all the money we raise for cats. Our church, man, I'm gonna tell you something. You may care about human beings that are lost and going to hell. We care about cats. We're going to put posters up all over the city so we can raise as much money as we can to save cats. My young daughter was sitting down here. She'd be mad at me right now because she, she'd make a donation to the thing. <laughs> I guess, I guess, don't say she's, she's still young and immature. She'll, she'll, she'll get there. So back to the question, how do you make Jesus famous? Look, the answer is you make Jesus famous when you live and you talk in a way that honors Jesus. Living it out, you know, some people say, well, my life is a witness, that's so stupid. Don't, 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 don't say that. 
Well, hey, my life is a witness. I don't, I don't need to say anything. People will just look at me and fall down on their knees and give their life to Christ because I'm... I'm Look, Jesus was God, and he had to open his mouth and say something. Well, he, yeah, well, he's, he, he wasn't living like I'm living. He, he needed to open his mouth. I, I, look, we all have to live it out, and we got to talk about it. Peter said this in um, the second chapter. He said, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. See, here's the deal. Unsaved people are watching you. They're looking for any excuse to reject the gospel. So we gotta live in such a way that honors the Lord. We gotta live in a way that makes him famous. And we need to talk in ways that honor the Lord, that honors the Lord. In other words, your, your walk has to match your talk, or as one theologian said, our good works must back up our good words. They, they go together. No one's gonna do it perfectly, but they need to go, to, go, go together. Beloved, I've seen firsthand the power of someone living a godly life. Many of you are Christians today because somebody in your life lived out their faith in, in God in such a way that they brought glory to God, right? I was thinking back over some of the people in my own life, guys like Chuck Fair and Coach Burroughs and George Brown and Mike Pedlow. I thought about some great churches in our town like Modesto Covenant and First Baptist Church and there were these places that, that, that would, um, you know, the, the people were good people, they lived godly lives, but then they also spoke in ways that helped me understand the importance of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, none of these people were there the day I gave my life to Christ. But they were all used. These churches were used. The people in those churches were used to plant seeds, water the seeds, you know, prune the stuff. And at some moment, man, it just, it all caught. It all worked. Dr. MacArthur said, a godly life gives convincing testimony of the saving power of God. Isn't that good? And there's a lot of truth in that. And here's what we have to deal with if we want to make Jesus famous in our lives. We need to understand that our real battle is not with the people around us. Listen to me. You want to live a godly life? You want to speak godly things? The issue is not with the people around you. That's not what's gonna mess things up. It's the passions within you. That's what messes up your testimony. It's not the people around you. It's the passion within you, the sin within you. That's what you gotta deal with. I, I loved what uh, D.L. Moody said. D.L. Moody said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than any man I know. <laughs> oh, if we would only embrace that. We just love to put the blame on everybody else, don't we? It's their fault, it's their fault, it's my spouse's fault, it's my... You got more trouble with you than you got with anybody else. And that's the thing we all have to kind of wrestle uh, around with. That's why I think Paul said in Ephesians chapter five, so be careful how you live. Don't live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. 
Boy, we need to live carefully. You want to make Jesus famous in your life? You got to live carefully. You got to be very careful how you live. The kinds of things you get involved in, all that kind of stuff. You got to know what the, 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 the Lord's will is. And I can guarantee you that it's the Lord's will that you be a voice for him. Second Corinthians chapter five says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. You're, you're, it is God's will that all of us would be missionaries. He wants you to be active in reaching the lost. I, I, I remember about, a, I don't know, three or four months ago, I shared with you this, this thought I had about the first century Christians. They didn't have cars, right? First century, book of Acts. Didn't have cars, which, which means that they didn't have, um, you know, bumpers to place bumper stickers on. And I say, honk if you love the Lord, or turn or burn, or whatever it is you see on those dumb, dumb things. They didn't have any witness wear. They didn't know Christian t-shirts or jewelry or whatever. They didn't have radio stations that, you know, that played good Christian music or that had unbelievable guys preaching at five o'clock on 99.9. <laughs> they didn't have superstar pastors with TV programs and all that kind of stuff. No iPods. They didn't have celebrity pitchmen making Christianity the vogue religion of the day or star athletes, you know, like the Tim Tebow's or whatever that kind of make Christianity cool. They didn't have any of that. They didn't have gospel tracks, you know, like the four spiritual laws or the five bunny hops to Christ or the six whatever. Well, I don't know what they all are anymore. They didn't have, you know, Gideons putting Bibles in all the hotel rooms back in those days. They didn't have you know, church buildings like we have, yet amazingly every day, not every month, not every, you know, week, but every single day, unbelievers were giving their lives to Jesus. People were getting saved. Acts chapter 16 says, so the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. And yet they didn't have any of the stuff we got today. The one thing that they have, that we got, is the Holy Spirit living in us. And a tongue. And they just told people about Christ. They understood that they were a voice. And these people opened their, their mouths and talked about the Lord. Look, th this past week, I had somebody come up to me and say, Pastor Rick, I think I'd like to go on a short-term mission trip to tell you know, people about Jesus. What do you think about it? And here's the deal. I looked at this young college-age kid, and I said, I just want you to know, as your pastor, I have failed you miserably. I'm just really, really sorry that you've asked that question, because here's the deal. It's too late. You're already on the mission field! You think you gotta go somewhere to tell someone about Jesus? Do you realize that in America, we used to send missionaries out to all places on the globe. Now other countries send missionaries here. 
They prepare missionaries to come here and tell us about Christ. Let that sink in for a moment, how far we have come. You see, folks, we're all called to be voices for the Lord. We're all called to be missionaries for the Lord. I, I posted two great quotes, and I'll end with these this past week on my Facebook page. They're both from Charles Spurgeon, and the first one is this. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Now, now here's the deal. That, that's not truth. That's not biblical truth. That's not found in the scriptures. It's one man's thought, a good man's thought, a godly man's thought, and you may not agree with it, I, I don't know. All I know is when I read that, I was going, whoa, whoa, whoa. We are ambassadors, we're called to be a voice, and we're either doing that or we're, or we're not. He also said this, he said, have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself, be sure of that. And once again, folks, that's not scripture. So I don't know whether that's true or not. I'm not, I'm not telling you that that's truth. What I'm telling you is that a very godly man has given us a weighty thought. Whether you agree with it or not, you know, just relax. But here's a very godly man who's, who's told us something here. If you don't care about the lost, if you know, have no heart to reach lost people, wow, that says something about you. Now one of the things I know about the people of Big Valley Grace is you got a great, great heart for the Lord and a great heart to reach the lost. And over the next couple of weeks, you're gonna meet lots of people that are doing lots of cool things. And I want you to know, it's, it's night, and so you're not gonna be able to see these signs very well. When you get in your cars and you actually drive out of here, and you're, you get to the, you know, the stop and you're gonna head out onto Tully Road, or you're gonna head out onto Pellendale Road, okay, when you hit there. We have signs that are made up. You're not gonna see them, that's why I'm gonna tell you what they say. Tomorrow I'm not gonna tell them, I'll just see them. <laughs> but it says, as you're exiting, there are signs out there that say, you're now entering the mission field. And it's just a great reminder to all of us that when you drive out of this parking lot, we have a few signs in here too that you'll see, that you're it, you're it. Yes, you're gonna meet some local people, global people, but, but you're it. Everybody stand up, let me, let me pray, okay? Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight and um, just all these folks that came out, Lord, on a, on a kind of a unique night. I pray for all of the churches in our town that are doing some fun things that don't have Saturday night gatherings. I, I think Calvary Chapel's doing something, I think. Blessings on them, keep everybody, everybody safe, and may they have enough candy and all that kind of stuff. And I think the house is doing something, and blessings on them tonight. And I, I, I don't know if First B's doing something, or Modesto Covenant, or, or some of these other churches. I, I don't know, Lord. But any church that preaches Christ that is trying to redeem this evil night. Blessings on them, keep them safe. May great things happen. May the lost show up, uh, Lord. And as we walk out of this place to, tonight, God, may we understand that the mission field's right out there. 
We're, 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 we're in it. And may all of us be ready to make you famous, Jesus. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, Lord bless you.